and welcome to EPPS 2021. If you're returning, welcome. If you're new, EPS stands for Everything Paranormal Podcast Show 2021. My volume in my ears are low. Okay. I'm your host, Paramike, and very shortly I bring in this little lovely gothic of mine, my co-host. We got a lot of stuff to go over and everything from... This past Saturday, July 17th, when we had our very first special guest um, from the West Coast. And this guy blew my mind. I loved it. (laughs) Um, And Sunday, I went to our Facebook page, into the video section of it, downloaded the video. And all Sunday night into probably... Early Monday morning, I think it was like 2.30 or 3 o'clock, we finished watching the whole thing. But it's actually Sunday night. Let me bring her in. There she is. That's what I said. I said Sunday morning, I downloaded the video from our Facebook page. Yeah. In the video section. And late Monday morning, I think it was like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, Paralor and I finally finished watching the video but we took down a lot of notes that end up happening, which blew our minds away. <clears throat> it was nuts. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? You have to be kidding me. Took it down a lot of notes. Had a pause, go back 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 seconds to figure out what the hell did we hear and what the fuck did we see? It was nuts. Yeah. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. And Paralore still has some stuff to get out of her way that she has left. Yeah. I got, a f- I think, about four stories that I have to get out. And after that, then we go into, holy shit, episode 38, what <laughs> the fuck, of reviews. Now, when I downloaded video, I also copied the audio file from the video which i haven't listened to yet and i know a lot of people have been bugging me hey this is this we're on anchor fm for your show where the hell's the audio from 38 (laughs) i have to go over it to see if it matches the video to a t um except for most of the video parts uh Mm -hmm. doesn't show but it's more in the evp realm yes level tier 
that I still have to go over before I put it up because I have to, you know, listen to it, timestamp it, and then I'll put it in the description on our Anchor page, which is anchor.fm backslash everything-paranormal. And when I can get to it, I will definitely get it up. But if it's really late, I'm sorry. Um, Life has been challenging. Due to the fact that we've been trying to get on a schedule of every Saturday night to do the show. And unfortunately this Saturday we have a bunch of crap to do all the way until next month. But we will try to get our shows out there as much as possible. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff on Paralore's face was... Oh, how can I put it? <laughs> Disturbing. Weird. What the fuck? How the hell? <laughs> and holy shit! This is the only way I can explain it. Throughout the entire video of our live stream. So stay tuned for that part tonight. Yeah. When we get into it. But we got a bunch of other things to get out of the way first before we talk about it. So you want a ticket? Yeah. Uh, first, since I've been going completely nuts trying to find um stuff on the uh chucky tv series um first fucking goddamn ad go away first chucky footage and poster arrive which i'm looking at um the killer doll everybody knows returns to tv finally creator don mancini has been talking about the upcoming series as the new beginning for Brad Dourif's pint-sized killer in the first ever TV show. If people are wondering, have I seen it? Seen the video? Or preview? No. Because it's a fucking teaser. I don't like teasers. Okay. Um, I love how this one starts. Forget the reboot. <laughs> I'm going to reiterate wow. it in my version. Or ablib. Fuck the, the reboot. <laughs> the real Chucky is back in a first look at the horror icon's return in the new sci-fi series Chucky from franchise creator Don Mancini. The new series will premiere October 12th this year on both Sci-Fi and USA and it sees the return of many Child's Play familiars led by Brad Dourif as the voice of Chucky and the role-stealing bitch Jennifer Tilly as Tiffany. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Yes, you did. In the description of the new series, an idyllic, idyllic American town is thrown into chaos after a vintage oh, I love this vintage Goo Guy doll turns up at a suburban yard sale. <laughs> I still find that funny. <laughs> Soon, everyone must grapple with a series of horrifying murders that begin to expose the town's deep uh, hypocrisies and hidden secrets. Meanwhile, friends and foes from Chucky's past creep back into his world and threaten to expose the truth behind his mysterious origins. As a seemingly ordinary child who somehow became the this murderous monster okay so they're going back to his childhood that's actually good and i love the picture um how do i sh uh, show the photo <laughs> um go back here okay 
go to there. Go share screen. Oh, well. Um, what am I looking at? Oh, you don't have a second monitor. Huh? You don't have a second monitor. No, I don't. Uh-oh. <sighs> uh, well. Hang on. Let me see if I can do it this way. Paramike's going to show the picture. Hang on, guys. Since I have a second monitor up here. Dee -dee -dee -dee. Uh. I'm just going to find it. There it is. Let me see if I can connect to it. What the hell? Huh? What? I have no clue. I got something weird under my <laughs> monitor. Don't worry. It happens. Uh, da, 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 where is it? Okay, there it is. Yes, if you hear a bit of an echo, I'm in her system. So I can share this. There it is! <laughs> First look. Looks like you when you walk, sleeping. <laughs> Fun, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. There we go. What are you doing? Getting out. What did you just do? I just logged oh. out of your computer. Okay. <laughs> I like the tagline. Hashtag Chucky is the name. Slashing is my game. Watch yours backs. Watch your backs starting October twelfth. Which, of course, I'm gonna have to wait. Sounds like something the Americans would use <laughs> for a song title. I'll have to actually wait. I'll have to wait till it gets on the fucking DVD. Speaking of Entertainment Weekly, creator Mancini said the main character is a fourteen-year-old gay boy. Really? That's actually smart. Holy crap. Who is bullied and sort of lost after the recent death of his mother. He's a young artist making sculptures with doll parts. Mm. He finds Chucky at a yard sale and buys him, but it turns out that he gets much more than he bargains for. One of the things I wanted to do to do was bring the franchise back to its child's play roots and have the protagonists be kids. Oh, come on, Don. No. I've seen, I'm tired of seeing shit with kids in it. Sounds like the movie It that he's referring to. That, well, not only that, fucking Stranger Things. Soon to be the third fucking Ghostbusters movie. But since, with the first couple of movies, we've already delved into having little kids, I wanted to explore something different. Th this time, exploring young teenagers. Okay, who hasn't seen that one before? That type of storyline. But, Devil's Advocate, due to the fact this is the real Chucky, not the bullshit version, but the real version. In a way, it is kind of smart. Especially having a 14-year-old gay boy be the, basically the main protagonist. Due to the fact, hello, Don Mancini, people don't know, he is gay. 
And not just by his elf clothing choices. He oh. is legitimate gay. Along with newcomers such as Devin Sawa and Lexa Doig, other returning Child's Play favorite, uh, fan favorites includes Alex Vincent, who played Andy in 1 and 2, and had a little snippet of him in um, Curse and Cult. Well, more curse, but cult was the snip. Was he was actually in it? Christine Ellis, who was in who was in the second one, and a little snippet of the uh, final bit of of cult, and Fred Durf's daughter Fiona Durf. In the new series, there are a number of hom homages and purposeful callbacks to movies from the franchise, including the Chucky doll being modeled directly from the one seen in Child's Play 2. I'm not sure if that's supposed to mean the one he broke, the statue, or something else. One of the things we pride ourselves on, and I think makes our franchise singular, is that we have spun a re relatively consistent and coherent narrative over the course of 33 years. And seven films, and now eight episodes of TV. Okay, so the first season's like eight episodes. Says Mancini, I think that's one of the things that our fans like about the Chucky franchise. I deliberately ended Cult of Chucky on a series of cliffhangers. That's actually true. Major cliffhangers, because I knew a TV series would be the ideal place to accommodate delving into the ramifications. So if we begin the series introducing our new story, our new our new Melu, and then we start to bring the veteran characters into the story, and it, and it all comes together for a big showdown. He continues, over the years I've heard that consensus fan favorite among all the movies is Child's Play 2. I think one of the reasons for that is how Chucky looked in that movie. And how the late director, John Leffia, okay, yeah, that's right, Leffia died, who passed away last year, shot Chucky. Our goal with the series was to bring Chucky's look precisely back to that. Tony Gunner and Peter Shevico, special effects artists responsible for creating the, the show's puppets, have done a great job. I think fans are really going to love it. Not just them, also me. Mancini hopes that the series proves to be a big beginning for the demonic doll, and we would love to pr produce more seasons and movies to take the franchise across multiple platforms. We have plans to do that, whether in lieu of additional seasons of the series or in tandem with them, potentially. He said, we're creating a broader Chucky universe with the TV series that now could spin, that could 
that now could span over different media. Poster arrived exclusively from Entertainment Weekly, which Paramike helped me show. And even though he says it looks like me when I sleepwalk, actually looked like me when I wrestled. Because I had the same look. <laughs> That's right. I forgot he just said it. Holy shit. Because I was about to say, oh shit, now I'm in the doghouse for saying that part. No. I forgot about the other part. <laughs> when he's shit. Pit, when he's pissed, he looks like Richie had a bad day. <laughs> I love you, bro. <laughs> Don't kill me. <laughs> okay. You're by yourself. I'm staying out of this. He ain't going to do anything. He's probably, <laughs> he's going to agree. How many know it? Yeah, probably. You never know, though. Anywho, next, something that Paramike hasn't been able to find. Why Brad Dourif didn't voice the reboot? You found it. I found something. You bitch. Uh... And here, I was looking for that for her for the longest, and then there was nothing, and then she finds it. And there's it. a damn it. photo of the reboot. Child's Play. Why Brad Dourif didn't voice Chucky in the reboot. After voicing Chucky, the, the killer, the, the serial killer doll, in seven films, soon to be TV series, added, Brad Dourif was replaced in the role by Mark Hamill, Luke fucking Skywalker, for the reboot. After voicing Chucky, the, the uh, Blah, blah, blah. When it comes to horror icons, Chucky is one of the most diminutive out there in stature. But in star power, he's a much bigger force. Chucky first won horror fans' hearts in 1988's original Child's Play movie, then returned to Manus nemesis Andy Barkley. In Child's Play 2 and 3. By 1998, the Child's Play formula was due for a shakeup and got it with the horror comedy Bride of Chucky, which introduced the fan favorite character of Tiffany. I still say that should have been me. Fuck the age difference. In 2004, an even more comedic sequel. Cedar Chucky drew a mixed response. I thought it was funny. To be honest, I thought it was fucking good. I have the whole thing. And in 2013, series creator Don Mancini took Chucky back to his dark roots in Curse of Chucky, which is good, which is right, which was really good, and about time, in a lot of people's minds, which actually won. Um, won an award for the most sales of DVD. Basically, number one. A big hit on direct-to-video market, which is true. It should have went to theaters, but... Curse was followed in 2017 by Cult of Chucky, the serial killer turned toys seventh adventure. Which, again, multiple. Which I know for a fact... 
my friend Brendan, who was part of that fucking thing, got the idea for multiple. While elements of Chucky's characterization ebbed and flowed over time, one consistent in the franchise outside of scripts written by Mancini was Brad Dourif providing Chucky's iconic voice in Laugh. Which, of course, hello, that is Brad Dourif's actual voice. And that is his actual laugh. He just dims it a bit in other movies that he's in. While Dourif was nominated for an Oscar earlier in his career, that's actually true, he's definitely best known now for playing Chucky and doesn't really seem to mind. Hello, it's a paycheck. And, like a moviegoer, Brad Dourif knows what fans are going to want. However, Dourif drew the line at reprising his character role for the reboot. Why he didn't do it? To explain why Brad Dourif didn't want to return for the reboot is it's first necessary to explain another matter. While Orion did indeed release a decently regarded reboot, whoever wrote that needs to get SLAPPED! In 2019, that doesn't mean the original Child's Play continuity is dead. Don Mancini and the main cast members of Cult of Chucky are slated to be part of the TV series starring Chucky in 2021, this year. Unlike many horror franchises in which the creator departs from the original film, guided the Chucky movies creatively over nearly three decades. Which is actually true. Other horror movies in the past after basically the originals. All the other ones are done by different directors. Writing the scripts for all seven films, directing Seed, Curse, and Cult. Brad Dourif is understandably loyal to Mancini and the Child's Play franchise. Both men helped make World Famous. He's even made it a family affair, with his daughter Fiona joining the series as Nika. Thus, he opted to continue voicing Chucky in Mancini's TV series, and wasn't interested in being a part of Orion's remake. Which Mancini publicly voiced his opposition towards. You cannot blame him, because they stole shit that he thought of. After all, it's not exactly nice to reboot a franchise that's still actively in production. Orion swung for the fences and cast pop culture icon Mark Hamill as their new voice. And while he did a fine job, I'm not so sure about fine job, it, it was hard for fans not to notice the absence of Durf's high trademark pitched cackle. Thankfully, Durf's original Chucky will slash again on the TV screen. 
that's mainly why Brad Dourif didn't do it. He's loyal to it. And I don't blame the guy. Why do something that the, that people that do reboots try to fuck over? Or fucking kill off? And, okay. Found something about... It's sort of like a general question. Like, you know, in a horror genre. Freddy Krueger versus Chucky. Who would win a fight? A Nightmare on Elm Street's Freddy Krueger and Child's Play Chucky are two slasher icons, but which one would win a fight? Win in a fight against the other? In a battle between iconic slashers, who would win if it came down to Freddy Krueger and Chucky? A Nightmare on Elm Street was quite literally dreamed up by late director Wes Craven, that's true. Who was inspired by a series of articles about people dying in their sleep, and that's, that's actually true. While the original movie saw Freddy make some cruel gags, he was more of a terrifying figure. But as the series wore on, he became a prankster who regularly dropped bad puns as he killed victims in creative ways. Uh, hold on. What movie? Of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, were there bad punts? I'd like to know which one. Robert Anglin played Freddy in all films on TVs on a TV series, and made countless cameo appearances in music videos. Basically, Dawkins Dream Warriors and talk shows. Chucky was created by Don Mancini with his original script, Blood Buddy, featuring a doll that came to life to manifest the inner anger of its owner. The movie was later rewritten to become Child's Play instead. With Chucky being a doll possessed by serial killer Charles E. Ray, Brad Dourif, despite his small stature, Chucky ended up haunting the dreams of many young horror fans and has returned for seven sequels and an upcoming TV show. Would that be somebody like Zach Bagans? I'm sorry. <laughs> I find that funny. He's afraid of fucking dolls, but he collects the fucking things and puts them in his museum. <laughs> it briefly seems like horror, horror crossovers would become the next big ticket after the success of 2003's Freddy vs. Jason, but this didn't pan out. Despite concepts like Halloween, featuring a battle between Pinhead and Michael Myers, oh hell no, or Candyman vs. Leprechaun, being tossed around, none of them happened. Most people probably wouldn't even consider a Freddy Krueger versus Chucky battle if, but if they came to blows, who would, who actually would win? Assuming the other uh, focus will be on the original franchises and not the reboots of either one, it's still tricky to see how the latter would win.
While Chucky has proven remarkably hard to kill for good over the course of the franchise, he's not really built for combat either. Uh, sure he's not. Most of his attacks are stealthy, with his size being notable disadvantage in a fight. He might stand better odds if Freddy was brought into the real world, where he's weaker and lacks his dream powers. But even then, Kruger proved a tough po opponent against a much more resilient Resilience, Jason, in, a in combat. Unless Chucky got creative with booby traps or other tricks, Freddy would likely beat him in a direct battle, which is to say nothing of a Freddy Krueger versus Chucky battle in the dream world. He'd likely control Chucky like a puppet, a la Philip in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, before melting him down, one person could come up with a way for Chucky to win is Don Mancini himself, who has a fun idea for a crossover called Child's Play on Elm Street. This would see Chucky brought in an Elm Street house as a toy before encountering Freddy, but instead of starting as enemies, they actually get along. The movie would then play out like a horror version of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels before a rivalry would kick in and they fight. Mancini didn't say who would win, however presumably his Freddy Krueger vs. Chucky fight would be a fair one. Uh, what do you think on that? Dear? Hold on. <clears throat> Honestly or hypothetically? Both. Neither of them. Neither. Neither. Okay. Just due to the fact that there's a flaw in that whole thing. What? What the fuck was that? Your cat knocking over a box uh. of tubes. Okay. Um, number one. Freddy Krueger is... Like yeah. the title says, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. How do you have nightmares? You have to sleep. That's Freddy's domain. Chucky is in reality, not virtuality. Yeah. Okay. The flaw is, is that it would not work. Okay. Because Chucky never sleeps. Well, actually, no. In the original, he does sleep. As a doll. He closes his eyes. Um. Okay. As a way to kind of. See it. Look at. Freddy versus Jason. Jason. Is already dead. Right. But. Freddy was able to get into it was able to get him into it so he could try to kill him. I mean, everybody knows by now, I mean, pe some people think Jason won, other people thought Freddy won. Right. Because Robert Englund was Freddy in it. 
Right, and there was a flaw in that. But I'm there's still a flaw in that. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how that worked. <laughs> Jason is dead. Yeah, and he sleeps in water. Yeah, so so. Which is in reality. Yeah. Okay. Freddie found a way around that. Freddie is virtual reality, which is a whole different ballpark. Yeah. And from that point, it was like, okay, there's a flaw here. Jason's in water. Yeah. That's where he died. Crystal Lake. Yeah, as a kid. Freddie is virtual reality. Yeah. That somehow can put himself into virtual reality through nightmares. Yeah, but he can also be pulled into the real world. Right. Which has actually been proven twice in two different movies. Right. But if Jason's in water yeah. at Crystal Lake, then how does Freddy <laughs> get a hold of him? Just like with this one here, Chucky is reality. Yeah. Freddy's virtual reality. Mm-hmm. A whole different spectrum. <laughs> how would Chucky pull Freddy into reality from virtual reality well if you think about it again freddy versus jason freddy was brought into the human world mm-hmm. by the main girl or as they're called actually called final girl and jason he was already awake after the shit wore off so technically Freddy was just brought into the real world, so the other, so the main characters can see and watch who the fuck wins. Um, but if you remember the ending, Jason comes out of water. He has Freddy's head. Mm-hmm. And what does Freddy do? He winks and laughs. Well, he more lit, uh, winks with a freaking smart uh, smirk on his face. Right. Meaning, hey, it's a tie. I mean, exactly. they were supposed to do a second version, but that fell through. Yeah, it was supposed to be Jason versus Freddy versus, versus uh, Michael Myers. There was that one, and there was one Freddy versus Jason versus Nash. Versus, uh, versus Nat- Ash. Right. From Evil Dead. Right. Which was really stupid for a title. Yeah, I know, but the way Bruce Campbell thought about it, due to the fact he is a horror character... Yeah. Basically, hey, I take these two on, there's no more. But as horror directors, they've had had an issue with that logic. Of course. They always do. Um, if they did Freddy versus Chucky... Where they're friends at first, but then there's that rivalry where they start fighting each other. Mm-hmm. If they actually were able to get Robert Englund to do Freddy, mm-hmm. then there's that toss up. Well, Due course. to the fact Brad Dourif, he'd already be Chucky. Right. There would be that, oh shit, who do we root for? Do we root for Freddy? Do we root for Chucky? We like both. If it isn't Robert Englund who would go back to do that, basically just 
stand there to the lines and have a stunt double do do the physical work. Right. If someone knew, like, in the fucking reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street, someone else does Freddy, people are going to go for Chucky automatically. Because it's an original guy against a pissant who, who nobody even cares. Mm-hmm. If it's... If Robert Anglin, Freddy, Chucky, Brad Dourif... There's that line. Which is which? Who killed the most in other films? Who came back more than once? I mean, with uh, Freddy, um, if I had the fucking uh, franchise of that, I'd be able to t- remember. I think, and this is a big it, I think, uh, Nightmare on Street, the franchise has, I think, nine films. I think. Chucky, he has seven. Soon to be a TV series. Right. So, technically, if you combine all of Chucky's kills in every film, and whatever who's going to be killed in the TV series, and you add it, could probably decide who would be the better the better fighter. I mean, just because Chucky's a doll doesn't mean he's helpless. True. I mean, come on, he, take, he took on fucking different adults. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he never went after kids, but he went after the adults. Right. <laughs> I would have to say, literally, between Freddy and Chucky... Yeah. Freddie would have more, a lot more, and Chucky's just trying to catch up, but will never catch up. Eh. Just due to the fact because there was Friday the 13th, the TV series for a while, back in the 80s. Yeah, but... On um, TV, and it starred Freddy Krueger. Then, after that whole span of television series fell off the face of TV. Well, think about it. Uh, Jason came out first in 1981. Nightmare on Elm Street didn't come out till 1984. So technically, Jason, in that version of a battle, a lot of people went towards more Jason because he, uh, he came out first. Came out about three, four years prior than Freddy Krueger. Even, even uh, Robert Englund said said it. A lot of people were kind of cro- figuring out. Okay, who do we shoot? Who do we root for? Him or Jason? Hold on, hold on. Uh... I mean, a lot of people thought it was Kane Hodder that was Jason in the in that movie with him. But it was somebody else. Because I think, if I've read it right, Kane Hodder, he was supposed to come back as Freddy for... Yeah, Freddy. Come back as Jason for Freddy vs. Chuck... Uh, Freddy versus Jason. But... Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. Um, but 
uh, Kane Hodder, he was in the middle of doing something else, and he couldn't do it. So they had to get someone else to do Jason. And that basically pitted, oh, it ain't Kane Hodder, fuck it, we're going for Freddy. I mean, I was kind of still in the same boat. I mean, come on. Who fuck? Who did Alex root for? He rooted for the fu for fucking Jason. Okay. And I said, no, it's going to be a tie. Jason, it's usually water. Even though he comes out of water, water's technically what kills him. In a way. Freddy, he can kill in the dream world, and he can kill in the real world. He's That's already been proven. And if I remember correctly, me and Alex, I bet Alex 500 bucks um, due to the fact uh, the movie was out on DVD for a while, but neither one of us saw it. Richie did, but we didn't yet. And I remember standing in Alex's kitchen. I said, okay, you want to bet on Jason? I'll bet you 500 bucks it comes out as a fucking tie. He said, okay, what happened after that? He was pissed because he had to pull out 500 bucks out of his wallet. For some odd reason, he turned to Richie and said, "I'll bet you, I'll bet you take, I'll bet you a thousand bucks, if they make a a Jason versus Michael Myers, Jason kicks his ass." Sit <laughs> because Richie's a fan of Halloween. I'm like, I am not getting in on that fight. You two can have fun. <laughs> I'm not cleaning up the blood after you two. Um. Final well, one on... Well, hold on, hold on. What? Um, well, Jason Voorhees. Yes. Which, in some ways, the way this thing is explaining, is that it's the original Friday the 13th. Yeah. Before Freddy even came out. Yeah. And they aired it on May 9th of 1980. Uh-huh. So obviously he will have more kills than Freddy and Chucky. Ever, well, remember, ever the first... And Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, was in 1988 to 1990. And it was, and it was only... Uh, series was filmed for 44 episodes uh. in its two seasons for the run. Uh-huh. So... Jason would have more kills than Freddy does in the eight-year span. Yeah, but you're forgetting one thing. The first Friday the 13th, it was his mother that was actually doing all the killing. Jason didn't come in until part two. doesn't say anything about that Trust part. me, I know my horror shit. Yeah, I know your horror shit. Trust me, I'm just not the, trying to debate that. I'm just I know. stating <laughs> what I just found here. Is that, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street only ran for two seasons with 44 episodes filmed. Uh-huh. From 88 to 90. Voorhees was from 1980 
Yeah. Which means Jace, Jason has more kills than Freddy does. Yeah. And Chucky ever did. But now I have an, uh, a question in my head. Is like, well, wait a second. Between 88 and 90 for Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's staying here 44 episodes in two seasons. Uh-huh. How many kills did he actually do that Freddy? would total up? Right, from 88 to 90. How many ki- kills did, has he done or performed, whether it's virtually uh-huh. reality or reality the itself, uh, compared to just the 44 episodes in two seasons? Well... And the same thing with Jason from 1980 until he actually went off the air and ended up doing movies for killings. And well, same actually, thing with Freddy Krueger. Well, the TV series, uh, Friday the 13th, it was a different uh, anthology of other things. Doesn't really necessarily have to mean Jason. I know, because I've seen it. No, it just said, uh, said that Jason is the original part of Friday the 13th. That's what the profile just said. Where are you reading at? Just, Don't tell me Wikipedia. No, 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 no. I just Googled it. Or binged it. Which site did you find that on? Because I could debate that site real quick. Oh, crap. I just shut it up. Everybody who knows Friday the 13th, his mother in the first Nightmare on Elm Street was doing all the killing. Jason didn't come out until Friday the 13th Part 2. Then okay, th- this is what I typed in into Microsoft Bing. I said, "What year did Jason Voorhees come out on TV?" Oh, the TV. Okay, and then I then I said, "Okay, well, that's not giving me a whole lot of information." So then I just backed it out and I said, "What year did Jason Voorhees come out?" Uh huh. And I, no, I still got. Oh, okay. Jason Voorhees, with a big line here. Uh-huh. Friday the Thirteenth Wiki. Yeah. One fandom. And I said, okay, I don't want that. <sighs> then I go back. And no, I still got the same thing. What the hell? No, this thing's not giving it to me now again. What the heck? Hang on. No, my computer wants that goofy again. Okay. What year did Jason come out? I did that one too, and that's how I got that part. What? In the search for, for, for Friday the 13th. Hold on. I typed in, what year did Jason come out? Uh-huh. And there's a bunch of stuff on it and everything. And in, in here it says, uh, appeared in the original Friday the 13th on May 9th, 1980. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. 
Freddy Krueger yeah. was 88 to 90. The original Friday the 13th, which I saw in the 80s, yeah. was Freddy Krueger. I think wherever... And Jason Voorhees, in the original Friday the 13th, didn't come out until season 2 of Freddy Krueger. Nightmare on Elm Street on TV. That's what I. That's how I found that part. And then yeah, I did, but at the same time, that can also really confuse people who don't know which one came out first. And I mean, talking the movies. People really aren't basing shit on this TV series of either. It's mainly the movies. Right, I know that. I understand that part. But I'm just saying now between Jason, yeah. Voorhees, TV appearance, Freddy Krueger's TV's appearance, uh-huh. and then they both got into the movie st- uh, segments... Yeah. Or a franchise. That's my thing of who has more kills. If you combine both together. Okay. Then now now we also have Chucky. Which, pe- which people want to do Chucky versus Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Chucky came out, what, late 80s? Chucky came out 1988. 1988, okay. Same time as Freddy Krueger did on TV. <coughs> Excuse me. How many kills does Chucky have from the franchise of movies? Uh-huh. And now Don Mancini is trying to do the... TV route. TV route. Not sure. That's a whole toss-up between all three. And then there was talk about, oh, we're going to have Jason Voorhees versus Freddy Krueger. Yeah, which we already did. How many kills was done in that part? Then there's Jason Voorhees versus Freddy Krueger yeah. versus Chucky. And it's like, well, okay, how many kills would that be? Yeah. For a franchise. Then, then somewhere, uh, they were talking about Jason Voorhees versus Freddy Krueger versus Chucky versus Michael Myers. <coughs> okay, how many kills does Michael Myers have in, uh, underneath his uh, blade? <coughs> then there was another one about Jason Voorhees versus Freddy Krueger versus um, Michael Myers versus Chucky versus Ghostface. Ghostface, yeah. Well, how many co- kills does Ghostface has underneath his belt? Oh, God. Not a whole lot. <laughs> Not a whole lot due to the fact he was only in Scream. And that well, was it? Well, no. And that franchise bombed like shit? Uh, first of all, Scream did not bomb. Um, uh, everybody who already knows the, uh, Scream, yeah, it may be, like, you know, who the final person is that is under the mask, but the person that actually does Ghostface for all the stunts and everything, is the same person that's been doing it since part one. Well, I know that. I'm just just going for kills here. Kills? Between uh, all of them. Between every single one I just said. Plus there was one more that... They, that uh, I don't know what you want to call them. 
guru uh, nightmare nerds or horror <laughs> nerds with their underoos so far up their ass. <laughs> they want to see Jason, Freddy, Chucky, Michael Myers, Ghostface, and Leatherface. Forgetting one other, Leprechaun. Well, they want to see Leprechaun and Pennywise go against each other. The same thing. What what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like that part is just really stupid. Because one, you're not going to have the main character. No. Of Pennywise for it. Two, you're not going to have the same character that played Leprechaun for God knows how many times. Not from what I've read. Warwick Davis has already said he'll go back onto the makeup. He'll do it. Yeah, just for one last hurrah. For well, no. Uh, because right now, him and his son are doing Star Wars. Well, They're playing the little Ewokers. How do you think freaking Warwick Davis started Ewok? Yeah, I know. I, I, I saw the video from when he was really fucking young. Yeah. And that's how he got his role. Yeah. Was Star Wars first. Yeah. Then he did Willow. And and then he, you know, he was the main Ewok at the time. Yeah. Then from there, he went to... Willow. Willow. Yep. And Leprechaun. Well, no, there was a a couple other movies that he's done before Leprechaun came out. Yeah. A couple of those two movies you're talking about before the horror version of Leprechaun... He was actually playing a leprechaun in two of those. But it wasn't a a twisted evil one. It was like a... So, with Warwick Davis, he stated before, did in fact fucking 8 was shown on sci-fi. Which I have, and I want to get rid of it. Uh... Due to the fact that it wasn't him, that really pissed off a lot of horror fans. Yeah, I know. I mean, I kind of saw where he, where he, underst- where I understood where he came from. He wanted to wait until his kids were a little bit older to go on back under the makeup. So, I forget what day I saw this. It was like about six months ago where he he was doing an interview with someone on some um, entertainment site where he was asked the question are you done with Leprechaun because of the person that other person that wasn't him and he said no I'm not done I'm waiting for my son to get a little bit older because if you have a kid that's, oh, I don't know, younger than reasonable age, mm-hmm. it's going to scare the shit out of them and be afraid of their own father. Which, unfortunately for his son, that was a lie because his son knew and his son loved it. Well, he has, he has, as far as I know, he has three kids. His youngest is who stars in Star Wars with him as an Ewok. Right. That is who... He's meeting the youngest. The youngest already knew. The youngest wasn't afraid of his father looking like the creature Leprechaun. 
he thought it was like amazing, but that, but to him that wasn't a role that he could see himself maybe doing, <laughs> yeah, or his father continuing. He actually wants to be in a, a, the movie with his father. As like which, a freaking underling? <laughs> no, not an underling. More like doing movies with his father that oh, he's yeah. done before, but not. You know the leprechaun scene because it doesn't to his son it doesn't really seem that his that that role would fit his father too perfectly. Actually, I, it, it's like an understatement to what his father has done in his career. Yeah, it is an understatement and everything. But with Star Wars being you know the very first Ewok yeah. when his father was young, yeah, that spoke. That's what he wanted to get into because his younger son is a Star Wars fanatic and he says wanted to get into movies with his father doing Star Wars. Now, you and I and every other Star Wars underru out there knows about Warwick Davis being the Ewok. Yeah. And his son said wanted to do it with him when he got a little bit older, which it actually did happen. Yeah. But Star Wars is the bigger franchise out there than Leprechaun is because that's where Warwick Davis basically continued his work. Yeah, I know. Now, when the new Leprechaun came out, which I call it a fucking reboot and sad. Not only that, they, I mean, he wanted they to wanted, wait. They wanted Warwick Davis to do the eighth one. Yeah, I know. But Warwick Davis. He was Davis, already under contract with something Warwick else. Da- no, 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 no. He wasn't even under contract yet. He was in the middle of doing the contract. Yeah. But when the people contacted him that did Leprechaun from one to the new one. Seven, yeah. They wanted him to do the eighth one, but he turned it down. Yeah. Because he was in the middle of trying to set up a contract for himself and his younger son to do Star Wars. Yeah. Because he wants to get back into doing the Ewoks again. He wants to... Warwick Davis wants to try to leave Leprechaun alone. Because mm-hmm. he's had a couple of accidents on set. I'll have to look that up because I don't remember hearing anything on that. I don't, I don't, I've, I've seen the interview. I forgot who it was from. And this was like three months ago. I forgot who it was. But he said that... During during the last Leprechaun, which was seven. Yeah, back in the hood too. And the one before that. Back in the hood. Uh, Leprechaun in the hood. Leprechaun in the hood. Leprechaun back in the hood. Right. In both of those, he's had a little little accidents here and there. Uh, I don't remember hearing anything on that. When he was filming, he broke his leg. During because he wanted to try a stunt. What, like something that he did years ago? Yeah. Type of stunt? Yeah. Broke his leg. Yeah. Took a while for it to heal, and he came back and finished that one. Yeah. The next one, he broke his arm, his clavicle, and his shoulder blade. And that put him out for a while. It might have been the the ending fight scene. Then they, they had to find a stunt double. To complete the rest of it, way he was out, but he was there to coach that one. What the what thing I but think? But he did the voiceover though. Uh, yeah, 
he did the voiceover for that one why he was, you know, recuperating yeah. and trying to heal. But he was there at the set, but he had a microphone and everything, and he was just doing a voiceover while the stunt double was just moving, moving the mouth. Yeah. And doing all the other stunts that he was, that he was supposed to do. But after that, he said that he's going to re- kind of retire from Leprechaun. Uh-huh. Not going to deal with the franchise because now his littlest one, which is older now, wanted his father to get back into the Star Wars and he wanted to work with him in the Star Wars as a little Ewok. And that's how that happened. Well, if you think about it, if you're part of a, a saga like Star Wars, no matter what fucking uh, version it is, you're going to get more fucking injuries doing that than you are in a horror movie. Um, I think... Um, but Star Wars does have a stunt double for him as an Ewok for that. Yeah. Because they found out what happened to him in one... Um, the sixth one and the seventh one. Yeah. So they have a stunt double for him. But his son does the stunts too. Oh, yeah. Now... So it's like, well, okay, your your father had one accident already, then he had a second accident, so we have a stunt double for him to do it, if you don't mind working with a stunt double. His son said, no, that's fine. Just as long as, you know, since the, this Ewok talked, yeah, it'd just be the, the same voice as the first Ewok, but as the stunt double. Mm-hmm. And that's what also happened. Well... I actually, when I first saw um, Leprechaun, I always thought it was funny how he was running in those fucking boots. It took me fucking two years. It took me two fucking years to learn how to run a boot step like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, technically, his third, Leprechaun 3 is actually his favorite one. One, because of all the puns in it. Two, when you first read the script of the first Leprechaun, he saw the hilarity in it. Yeah, it's a horror film, but he's doing a Leprechaun. And he understood that folklore. He's half Scottish and he's half half Irish. So Mm -hmm. he understood it. The fucking uh, stunt double for fucking Mini-Me doing it I didn't know what fucking accent he was doing one he went like British English right then he went to fucking Irish yep then Scottish and then it's just oh regular English what the fuck are you doing yeah and I pointed that out to you and you'd be like oh no 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 it's the same thing it's the same thing I was like no, no it's not. I it's knew like, it wasn't it's his it's like three or four different things that he's doing I'm like what the fuck is wrong with this movie but Who the, only the fuck came up with that shit? But the only you funny part... Back, you had to go back and watch it again. Yeah. Then you put on the headsets, and you were, like, squishing into your ears but that's to how listen used... to it, and you yeah. kept it going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until you are like, what the fuck? But the they only... really fucked this movie up now. And I'm like, I told you. Well, I think what... The stunt double for Minimi was trying to do. He was trying to do 
what Warwick Davis did was did with his voice, with the accent. He just didn't realize it it did, didn't mesh well with something else. The only fucking good part of Leprechaun 8 that was actually kind of funny was the bitch getting killed by a sprinkler. By yeah. a sprinkler head. That was it. I was like, okay, at least that's kind of new. <laughs> okay, another one. I mean, I wasn't really trying to like pay attention to that. Eh, like I was shit. watching something on my phone. But I, wasn't, I need new batteries. This I wasn't, is dying. I wasn't trying to pay attention to that movie. I know. Because I was watching something else. But I, for some reason, my left ear picked it up. And I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go. I'm going to have to say something to her. And she's <laughs> going to be sitting in front of the TV and like, what the fuck is she talking about? Let me put the headset. Holy shit. What the fuck? Let me see your mouse. Okay. Um, the last bit. I have is basically again like Freddy vs. Jason, uh, Freddy vs. Chucky. Is who would win in a fight with of old Chucky versus the new one, and I mean the reboot version. Which one would win in a fight, or basically actually kill the other one? And Paramike's getting me a uh, new battery for my mouse because it just died. Child's Play, obviously, everybody knows, remade 2019, which gave Chucky a makeover, a bad makeover. But it, but when it comes to old Chucky versus new, which one would win or reign supreme? I can tell you for a fact, I will be picking the old one. I'm picking the old one. I don't give a fuck. People want to try to debate it with me. I can shoot your ass down of it real quick. Give that a shot. That works. In the Battle of the Child's Play Dolls, would old Chucky or new win? The first Child's Play arrived in 1988. And evolved from a script by series creator Don Mancini called Blood Buddy. The original screenplay differed from the final movie, which featured a doll filled with fake blood that comes to life when its owner, Andy, mixes his own blood with it, causing it to come to life when Andy is asleep and kill those he's angry with. This was eventually reworked to a dying serial killer transfers it, transferring his soul into the doll. When Child's Play came at the tail end of the 1980s horror boom, it proved to be a solid hit. Two sequels quickly followed, though the response to the third movie caused the series to be put on ice for a while. Bride revived the series in 1998. And Chucky has returned a few more times in the years that followed. While every long-running horror series has its shake-ups, share of ups and downs, and bad sequels, the original Child's Play movies have stayed remarkably consistent, with Child's Play 3 being considered the only real dud. Uh, no. 
Due to the rights issues, the series is now split in two, with Don Mancini set to continue the original franchise with the TV series coming up October 12th this year. Chucky, the movie franchise rebooted 2019 by director Lars Klebberg one of the fucking producers of It, which kept the same basic premise, but otherwise changed many things. Chucky, this version, is an AI smart doll voiced by the great Mark Hamill, Luke fucking Skywalker, and fucking Joker. Voice of Joker in the cartoon and the fucking video games. Who turns... Huh? Batman. That's what I said. No, you say video games. I'm just saying Batman for video games. Who turns murderous due to a vengeful employee messing with the toy safety settings in the factory? Which I fucking called. I don't give a fuck. Tim Dennis, he can debate it all he fucking wants. Anything that's AI is made by a company. The main company it's made from controls it. Not, oh, it's an AI, so it can control everything. No, it don't! So, if there was a Child's Play movie pitting old Chucky versus new Chucky, who would win? The original Chucky was formerly a serial killer, Charles E. Ray, with Brad Dourif playing both Ray and voicing the doll. And this killer doll, this killer doll has racked up a major body count throughout seven movies. And more than that, he's shown an impressive resilience or resistance to, well, dying. Every movie ends with him destroyed, yet he comes back, crawls his way back in the next sequel. On the other hand, the new Chucky is more innocent, vomit-inducing. And while he also causes his share of death and disruption, yeah, just, (laughs) take a sip, I stumbled. And destruction. It's all for the love of his owner, Andy. There's a reason why I did that. If the two actually fought, the original Chucky would likely make midspeed of his AI rival, since he is much more vicious and spiteful. That's actually true. The new version of Chucky does have the ability to remotely control other gadgets and dolls, though. Which would make for a nastier battle, but in the end, old Chucky would likely win the day with it with this, this Charles White battle. I agree. 100%. I'll probably end up getting messages on my thing later. 
No, the reboot win. The reboot, as I said, can only control the devices of the company it's made from. Not oh, it can control every fucking elect every fucking electrical thing. It can't. It's made from a company and the items for of the same company it can only control. No matter if it's freaking messed with or not. Okay. I'm off my Chucky rant. Um Let's see. Oh, I actually have a couple uh have something to say about wrestling due to the fact I used to be in it. Independently, but I was still a wrestler nonetheless. Uh, go out, you fucking ad. Okay. Viral video of wrestler's crotch set up fire watched over one million times. Ouch. Playing with fire is a risky business. Yeah, no shit. But, both literally and metaphorically, as an Indiana wrestler found out for himself, when his crotch was lit on fire in a stunt that went wrong. J.J. Allen suffered second-degree burns to his legs, but the trick could have had far worse consequences. As in, another way to become a female. And not in, uh, basically another free way of doing it. My version, Free of charge. Here. Free of charge. The incident unfolded at the Southern Sickness Memorial Cup, a pro wrestling train wreck presentation held at the Axel Rotten Memorial Hall in Cornersville, Indiana. Billed as the most violent show on earth, the event, event lived up to its name as one match saw Ryan saw Eric Ryan set J.J. Allen's crotch on fire and fuel the flames with a weed whacker. <laughs> if the premise sounds absurd, even for a heavily scripted exhibition like wrestling, footage of the incident was downright terrifying as it soon became apparent the flames weren't as under control as the two wrestlers would have liked. As the fire swiftly burns out of control, Alan quickly stands up and tries to roll himself over to extinguish the flames that threaten to engulf him. One spectator can be seen pouring a liquid of what looks like to be either a soft drink or a beer beer can on the unfortunate wrestler to keep the flames under control. It's a man. Nobody thought of water. A video of Alan's crotch being set on fire went viral after being retweeted by Barstool Sports and has r racked up over 1 million views at the time of writing. 
Both wrestlers seem to enjoy their newfound popularity, despite the fact the stunt could have ended dangerously. Yeah, as in the guy could have died. This better get me on ridiculousness. And Ryan it did. tweeted, and it did. While Alan marveled at the moment of views the video had received, one million views. He tweeted. No. Despite being the victim of an incident that could have had everlasting consequences, Alan was surprisingly f philosophical about the stunt going awry. All love to everyone involved in the event tonight. I have done that spot a dozen times successfully and had no issues. He wrote in a Facebook post, Sometimes when you play with fire, you get burnt. No fucking shit. <laughs> the event promotion was nothing but class acts the entire time. It by no means should be blamed. He then added that he had two second degree burns on his legs, but acknowledged he was fully aware of the risks involved in the stunt. I have been a professional stuntman, that's what they call themselves now, for over 15 years. I know the risk in what I do, and I accept the consequences. I have two second-degree burns on my legs. I got away lucky, and I would retire that stunt for good. Or, sorry. I will retire that stunt for good. The biggest issue was my water crew not being where I needed them to be. Plain and simple. And there's a nice fucking picture of the guy. The only thing that this moron forgot huh. was when somebody pours beer on your nuts. Yeah. Uh, they forgot that beer is flammable. <laughs> Just because of the ingredients to make beer? It was either a soft, either a fucking soda or a soda, soft drink, juice, or whatever. Let's see. Well, if it's a soda, you got the carbohydrates in it. Yeah, I know. That's flammable. Beer, like I said, flammable because yeah. of the ingredients in it. Now, if it was a soft drink, like, um, you know, like Powerade, Gatorade, you know, something in that realm. Yeah. It should have put the fire out. True. Depending on the size of the cup. Because soft drinks are not that flammable unless you mix it with alcohol. Yeah, no. But pouring beer on someone's nuts and legs <laughs> while they're on fire? You're a fucking moron! Even I know not to pour beer on fucking flames. It's either water or fucking dirt. Well... That, yeah, that's stupid-ass stunt. But there are other things that wrestlers have done that are far more dangerous than that. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking for myself, uh, several times I was able to stop shithead from trying to kill my brother. One of my brothers. And I still think my my uh, first promoter, Smokey Jim, was on crack 
for wanting to sign him to make it a fucking event simply because dumbass thought he was going to be facing Alex when actually it turned out to be me due to the fact Alex was actually dealing with a separated shoulder uh, I said alright you want me to do this then it's my fucking match and I call it the way I want he said okay fine so I ended up doing what would be considered uh, in Japan it would be considered a death match in the US it's considered um, false count anywhere or in other fancy terms iron match whoever get uh, can uh, stand or f get to their feet before the count of ten and I basically it was like a back-and-forth thing he chased me I chased him but I knew something about shithead that not many people knew he was afraid of heights and I mean highly afraid of heights I was able to go up a set of stairs or ladders which turned out to be a 70 foot high drop off a platform something that you would see someone do stunts over like backflips, you name it. And I was able to uh, get him in a bit of a he headlock. And of course, I did something that Bonaducci at once actually did. I grabbed his nuts. And I made sure my nails were sharp for that. He was able to get out of my move, out of the move I had him in, but he didn't realize he was seventy feet in the air off a platform until he got up and looked down on the edge. He didn't realize that I set him up to fucking spear his ass off seventy feet in the air. Which ended up going through six fucking tables. Which people actually stacked up um, for a match that was prior to mine. But those weren't used. So looking from my height in the air to the, to the tables, I'm like, well, they gotta be used somehow. Spe did not count... Um, didn't realize there was an electrical socket underneath the tables. Jumped, speared him off the freaking, off the edge, going 70 feet in the fucking air, down, through six tables, and exploding sockets, freaking electrical sockets. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, I've had my share of different sprains, broken limbs here and there. 
But that was actually the most injuries I've had in one night. But I came back two months later. Um, in that, when I started that uh, storyline with uh, my brother Alex, um, and to actually prove, so what? Certain things are worked out in the back to make sure nothing goes wrong. Sometimes it does, but it doesn't. Nine times out of ten. I, that was actually the first match I never said anything on. Because I wanted to fuck him up. To actually prove, hey, I ain't no little girl anymore. And you're still a dick. <sighs> Which proves something may be worked out in the back, but doesn't mean it can't go wrong out front, in front of everybody. So, anybody who wants to keep saying still, oh, wrestling's fake. Look at AEW. An actual wrestling promotion. And they're doing shit that's actually right. I mean, they have the critics, but fuck them. They're there making money. If, I mean, I'm sure people have seen on social media of fans actually trying to get in the ring when a show's going on. Uh, it's happened a few times in Alcatraz, which I call uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, Alcatraz. You can spell Alcatraz with an E also. <coughs> Which, they don't do anything about. I've noticed that. However, in AEW, an idiot tried, the idiot jumped the barricade, it tried to get in the ring to attack none other than Chris Jericho. Could you be more stupid? Don't you think the fucker knows how to beat the shit out of somebody? <laughs> and the video... Honestly not. The video that was uploaded, um, Paramike showed it to me. I laughed so hard I fell off my bed. Simply because, yeah, so what? Security stopped the guy, which is surprising. Because security, where are they? Never. Anywhere where they're supposed to be. But that didn't stop Chris from going in, in between the ropes and punching him in the face. <laughs> yeah, you can actually see that on YouTube, too. So, just to show, do not try to get into the ring if you're a fan at a wrestling show. Because they have the right to defend themselves. They also as, have the right to whoop your ass. As the great Rowdy Roddy Piper said once, he's even said it to me too. There's only one way in and one, one way, way out, out of the ring. Your best bet, stay the fuck out of the ring. Stay the fuck anywhere near it. Away from it. Because if you try it, it actually proves hazardous to your health. Mm-hmm. I know, I f threw a couple of people out myself doing that. Actually, it should have been, there's one way in, but there's two ways out. Being thrown or getting dropped to the fucking ground. Nah, 
two ways. Two ways out. Yeah. Get your ass kicked and be put on a gurney. Yeah. Or get your ass kicked and uh, be transferred out by a body bag. That too. Because <laughs> you're dead. Okay. I got some stuff on paranormal. Okay. And I love the tagline because it's from Travel Channel. How haunted is your state? (laughs) (laughs) For the first time ever, Travel Channel has compiled a ranking of how haunted each state is based on how many times paranormal teams have been called to investigate. And of course, the main the main team that's mentioned using data from Ghost Adventures. Yeah, there's kindred spirits, but I want to throw up every time I see something on it. <laughs> Not saying anything bad about Amy Bruni or the other guy that's with her, Adam Barry. Adam Barry. Not to say anything against them. It's just. When they go into a haunted location, they think everything's a kind spirit. But they don't think about the other side of it. Yeah. I mean, come on. They were at Eastern States in one of their episodes of whatever season they were on. Mm. They didn't... Oh, oh, wait. we did, I did this before with uh, Ghost Hunters. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That's why she won't go back there. Which I actually found an interview on. Just that statement. Not going back. (laughs) Yeah. And most importantly, one that's called Portals to Hell. Jack Osborne. Jack Osborne. People don't know who that is. Ozzy Osborne's son. And I think Katrina... Katrina Weidman. Thank you. Yeah, she's on here with him. We have a company prehensive list on where hauntings occur including America's most haunted city you could guess where your state ranks on the list the findings may surprise you and of course the bottom of the list Delaware before I continue I need to go that way and I need a refill on my drink (laughs) <laughs> and yes, I'm drinking. I'm I'm drinking my soda, so because I have a bunch of stuff to do this weekend. But why she's doing that? I, I actually have a story here. Now, a while back, I don't remember what episode I talked about this, but Perlor and I we did talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Well, I found a story that says small details and trivia about the Rocky Horror Picture Show that made U.S. shiver with anticipation. And uh, it's kind of interesting in a lot of ways, but I don't know how true it could be. But it goes, It's astounding time is fleeting. And for almost five decades, the Rocky Horror Picture Show has held a magical madness on pop culture. While not fully understood or loved when it was released, the cult classic earned a loyal following over the years 
Thanks to content midnight screenings, complete with sing-alongs, shadow cast, and props from the audience to toss at the screen until the global pandemic shitstorm, or as Paralotus calls it, shit sandwich. Yep. It was the longest running theatrical release in history. Here is a selection of trivia, small details, and observations made by fans over the years. It will make you shiver with anticipation. Uh, let's see. Number one. Famous fans. Princess Diana was a fan of Rocky Horror and requested a meeting with Tim Curry. He recalls that she told him with a wicked smile that the film had quite completed her education. Hmm, really now? Why do I not slightly believe that mess? I'm back. What about? Hold on. I gotta <sighs> fix, fix this. That is being goofy. Huh? It's being goofy. I'm talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Which one? Which version? The original. The original? Okay. The original, because the title is Small Details About Trivia. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Small details and trivia about the Rocky Horror Picture Show that made us shiver with anticipation. Was that the whole movie or seeing Tim Curry wearing uh, women garters? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> but this is something that I kind of found. And it, it, the first one was a, fan, a famous fan. Uh-huh. And the famous fan happened to have been Princess Diana. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it again for Paralore because she wasn't here for this. Princess Diana was a fan of the Rocky Horror and requested a meeting with Tim Curry. He recalls that she told him with a wicked smile <laughs> that the film had quite completed completed her education. And of course there's a full story about that from that part. So I'll try to have a link for that one. Number two, Frankenfurter. Accessories. It's Frankenfurter. Whatever. In the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Dr. Frankenfurter Further. Thank you. <laughs> Where's a triangle on his chest? Yep. This symbol was used by the German SS to identify gay prisoners. Yeah. It has now been reclaimed as a symbol of gay pride. Yep. For some reason, I don't re- re- ever remember seeing a triangle on... His um, the garter, no. Um, whatever he was wearing at the time, I can't remember the damn name of it. It was uh, to the fact that it has the word doctor in it. I think it was. 
I forgot what the hell it was called now. It's the insignia of his corset that he was wearing. You don't see it, but it's a little... It's almost like added jewelry to it. No, 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 no. It's it's that green thing that doctors used to wear before they deter- they went to white. Oh. I forgot what the heck, heck it's called, but it's like... The triangle is like right here. Yeah. On that outfit that he's wearing as a doctor. Yeah. Not a necklace. Well, duh. But it says that it's a, it's a symbol of a German SS uh-huh. to identify gay prisoners. Yep. But in the movie, it was reclaimed for gay pride as a symbol. Yes, it was. Uh, number three. Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. There are literal Easter eggs that can be seen or see in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. After the cast had a hunt on on set and didn't find them all. These are the least three visible eggs in the film. One, under the throne. Yeah. Which they actually have a picture here in a circle around it where exactly it is. Mm-hmm. One by the elevator. Yep. And one in the main hall in a light. Which, unfortunately, they don't really show that. Only the throne. Yeah. And everything where it's circled. Number four. Party Crasher. Dr. Scott crashes through the wall of the lab because the filmmakers forgot to add a door (laughs) to the room. So he had to crash through the wall in order to get in. I don't remember that part. I think they're talking about the scene where uh, Meatloaf came through through the wall. No. No? No, Meatloaf didn't play Dr. Scott. Oh, God. I'm trying to remember who that was. Okay, guys, I'm going to have to show her so you might get a double back. But there's nothing I can really do about that. Yes. Uh, bloody Moonrise. So just give me a minute, guys, so I can show her. Smooth but strong. Okay, here we go. Now here comes the probably the double feedback. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh. Right there. That's Doctor Scott. I don't remember this scene whatsoever in the movie. Oh. But this Dr. Is, Scott, yeah, he's... This is, uh, this is where he's supposed to be coming through the door that's not there into a lab. Oh. Dr. Scott, he's the narrator through the whole thing. Right, but they have him here coming through a wall, which there was supposed to be a door into a lab. It could have been uh, maybe in it, but they probably edited that out before I don't know, but, they put the whole thing on. Yeah, but like I said, I don't remember 
that ever being in the movie. But it's supposed yeah. to it's supposed to be a party crasher. Huh. I don't know. Number five is the lips. Yep, the lips. Oh, I might as well leave this up anyways. So if, it's a, is it, if there's a double echo through the live stream or after we're done, I'm, I apologize, but I want to show you guys this. Uh, the lips that sing science fiction uh -huh. double feature, of course it's quoted, Yeah. in the Rocky Horror Picture Show belongs to uh, Margaret, or what is it, Magenta, M-A-G-E-N-T-A. Patricia Quinn, but mm -hmm. the voice belongs to Riff Raff, Richard O'Brien. Yep. Yeah. I don't remember that one either. Riff Raff is that blonde, uh, freaky butler dude. That guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. And as you see, there's the Easter egg right there of the throne yeah. that they were talking about, and plus the other ones, which they don't show up here. You the throne is actually really good. Yeah. Uh, okay, next one is... Pretty Loche. Yeah. Makeup artist... Perry Loche. Huh? I just heard something in my headset. Mm. Not only designed the iconic makeup look for the cast of Rocky Horror Picture Show, but also designed... David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust makeup. God mm -hmm. rest his soul. Yep. Number seven, the skeleton clock. Mm-hmm. In the Rocky Horror Picture Show, during the time warp number, the skeleton clock that appeared with Riff Raff contained a very real skeleton. Yeah. You could tell. This information was provided by the producers when the clock went up for auction at S-O-T-H-E-B-Y's, where it was sold for 35,000 pounds. What's the equivalent for the U.S.? I have no damn clue. <laughs> if you know that, let, let us know, please. Uh, quoted 12-inch angular dial inlaid into the coffin lid with ivory numerals on ebonished, E-B-O-N-I-S-E-D ground VAP movement with lever ex uh, escapement offset drive to the hands. The coffin case with parallel sides is six gilt brass mass carrying handles. The hinges lid inlaid with a hourglass S or scrying or scrith I can't even say this word S C Y T H E S I think Scythes. Thank you. And I think they spelled skull wrong here, but it's S-C-U-L-L -L and crossbones and digging implements all surrounded by ribbon-tied 
Laurel, opening to reveal a human skeleton. The skeleton visible through the dial. Yep. So let's go back up here to the picture. Hey, you can tell by looking at it, it's a real skeleton. Mm. Not a fake one either. No. But I like the picture, though, of the <laughs> Green Acres family over here. Yeah. But Riffraff. Don't see the dial. I don't know. That's but Riffraff, if you um, think back to Wayne Brady doing that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's who Wayne Brady's doing. Yeah, I know. Riffraff. Yeah, I know. You thought it was Tim Curry. Well, most of the part of the riffraff is slightly singing, but when it comes all together... Yeah. He's... Wayne's doing the... Frank. Dr. Frank Fruiter. Or Fruiter, whatever. Fruiter. Doing his skit. So he's doing riffraff and Tim Curry's character into one. Yeah. Bad rendition. Yeah. Uh, a ri- Frank... Say it. Inferter. Was originally German. Mm-hmm. You could tell by the way the last name's spelled. Mm. German. When, yeah. When Tim Curry first read the part of Frankenfurter, or Foot or whatever, he used a German accent. Yeah. I'm going to hold it right there. <laughs> I did not hear no damn German accent come out of Tim Curry's mouth. <laughs> it was more Australian. Well, if you think of his opening scene where he's singing, he, it is a bit of a German-ish accent where he's singing in it. Mm, you well, don't yeah. really notice it. Because... Everybody knows how Tim Curry talks. Yeah, I know that. So if he's using an accent-ish, people aren't going to pick it up. Yeah, I know. I, unless... I know I didn't pick it up. I know I didn't pick up the German part. I only picked up the uh, Australian part. No. It was actually a German-ish accent. Mm-hmm. I figured that out when I first watched it. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying you... You know it was a German-ish accent. When I watched it, it was a, like an Australian accent to me. But singing there, I did not hear both sides. I didn't hear the Australian <laughs> side, I didn't hear the German side. I just heard <laughs> almost like the American side, but you, if it's okay. the other type of American English. Okay, to summarize that, I can't believe I'm referring to this one. Annie, the original, where he's playing uh, Carol Barnett's brother. Yeah. When he's singing in that movie, people hear that when they're seeing him in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. That's what they're hearing. Mm. But... If you listen close enough, there is that accent in there. He doesn't... it. The way he talks in it 
people don't notice it. That's why people, like with you, you didn't know it was a German. Right, I thought I was Australian, but hey. <laughs> uh, it goes on, as productions carried on, he and director Jim Sharman tried a few other accents, including American. Oh, yeah. shit. It was a posh passenger that he met on a bus that later influenced Curry's accent choice. Yeah. Curry talked about the change with fresh air. Yep. Quotations. Interviewer Terry Grass or Gross. Yeah. Oakley Court. Nice house. That's the entire goddamn castle. I wish I had that. Which was filmed there. Oakley Court, the country house used as the castle in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and several hammer horror mm -hmm. films. What the fuck is hammer horror films? Basically backdrops. Uh, including The Man in Black yep. and The Lady Craved Excitement. It's currently a luxury hotel. I wish you had that for a house. I may have to do a story on that one. <laughs> Find that one out. Monuments to the Creator. I don't know if that's supposed to be a female or a male. Um, either or. Oh, let me see if I can blow it up. Come on. Ah. <laughs> okay, my computer wants to go stupid, folks. Oh, go back up. Ooh. What you're talking about, um, that thing. Up. Up. Okay, hold on. Back down a bit. Okay. You see where the top of yeah. Scorset? Yeah. That's what they mean. It's supposed to be part of the design of the top. That's why you're, no one notices it. It's part of the outfit. What, the triangle? Mm-hmm. No. Let me go up here. Sorry, folks. <sighs> Parallors obviously got something wrong here. I don't normally get anything wrong when it comes to Tim Curry. Pennywise, the original. I like that throne. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm talking oh, that. about. That's the jacket he wore. You know, it's what doctors wore yeah. way back then. But this is where the triangle here is supposed to represent 
the German SS to identify gay prisoners. Yeah. Which has now been reclaimed as a symbol of gay pride. Yeah. I don't remember that in the movie. I don't remember him having a triangle right there whatsoever. Was... That that was my point earlier. It could have been removed for one of the versions. But yet it has all the characters right here in... I don't know if that was a dude or a mannequin. I can't remember That's which. That's a guy. <laughs> That's a blonde guy. No, I'm talking right here. Oh, there? Yeah. That's not, a guy. Not the dude that almost looks like fucking uh, He-Man on, on steroids. No. Or garbage crack. I was talking about <laughs> this guy right back here. He looked like a freaking mannequin. No, it's not a mannequin. It's a real dude. Right, let's go back down. Did that, did that, did that, did that one, did that one. Number 10. This is where I'm confused. I can't tell if that's a, a guy or a girl or a what. That's a dude. Because it looks like a male's head. Yeah. Something that uh, a a gay designer would create. Yeah. Don't know what the fuck those things are. They're supposed to be on his arms and hands. Um, gloves. But it, but right here with the female boots, it looks like <laughs> either from here to the knees, it looks like guy's legs, and then from yeah. the knee into the boot, it looks like like a uh, uh, what are they called? <laughs> Female bodybuilder legs. Your mother! Oh my god, we got a bunch of assholes out with their dirt bikes and shit. Sorry, folks. But right here, it looks like a, a bodybuilder's female legs. It's a dude. On the left, but on the right, it, lo it looks like a male's leg. <laughs> it's a male dude. Down. So you don't have to scratch your head. Yeah. It's a male. Um, let's see. Yeah. Back here. Located at the south end of Hamilton's main Victoria Street is a statue of the iconic Riff Raff character from the cult status movie, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. No, it's not! That does not look like fucking Riff Raff. Riff Raff didn't have a fucking gay ponytail on top of his head. Let alone, he never wore anything like that in the damn movie. And Riff Raff wasn't gay. Hmm. So there's a fuck up right there for you. The statue comes equipped with instructions on how to do the time warp <laughs> and a webcam that offers a 24-7 peek at the statue. No, thank you. <laughs> That's okay. Number 11. A different set of jaws. That's teeth that people don't know what that means. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. A different set of jaws. Hmm... 
The Rocky Horror Picture Show premiered in the U.S. at the end of summer 75. Mm-hmm. Following the blockbuster premiere of Jaws yep. in June 75, when the studio created theatrical posters for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, one featured a send-up with the caption, a different set of jaws under the big red lips. <laughs> I know I'm going to be probably seeing emails or comments later on and saying, that's <laughs> fucking bullshit lie. <laughs> it's the same goddamn mouth. Familiar Family is number 12. And we can see Tim Curry way back up here. Yep. Looks like the farmer uh, female in the picture. And the rest of these goofs, don't know. In the opening wedding scene of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the minister is Tim Curry, Dr. Yep. Franken. While the old man and his wife are Richard O'Brien, Riff Raff, and Patricia Quinn, Margarita, I can't even say that last name. Margarita. The other wedding guests are the Transylvanians from the castle. Little Nell Campbell, Columbia, later appears in the Damn It Janet number inside the church. I don't remember this being in the movie either. At all. Well, remember, some people, when they saw it on TV, MTV, they're probably, it was probably like a a suitable TV version. So, some people... Who probably saw one version in the theaters? Mm. On TV version, it's entirely different. Figure MTV, they had to do with the FCC. Yeah, I know. That's but probably why. I'm just saying I don't remember that it being in the movie at all. I've even seen the television uh, version of Rocky Horror Picture Show before, and I don't even remember that being on the TV version. Betty Monroe, Hapschat, Hapschat, <laughs> Hillary Farr, the co-host of the HGTV, which just also stands for Home and Garden Television. Yep. And the series Love It or List It was Betty Monroe in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. What's wrong with this picture? Outside of the old dude? No, not the old dude. What's really wrong with this picture? If you guys are watching this, uh, comment below if you're on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. And you tell me what's wrong with this damn picture. Okay. Because um, I see a lot of things wrong with it. The one wearing... Uh if you want to call it 
lavender purple. It is a spitting image of Susan Sarandon. That's exactly who that is. From Thelma and Louise. Yeah. That's exactly who that is. I don't remember her being in the Rocky Horror Picture Show unless she was the uh, Vegas showgirl, kind of. No. Susan Sarandon's character um, and I have to say this could not carry a fucking tune through that whole fucking movie. But, um, I do remember, I mean, she played a part of the wedding scene, but she was not the one getting married. Right, I know She that. was basically sister of the bride or something like that. Mm. But, but look at the bride, though. Yeah, I know. Look at the face. Yeah. Does that face match any of the characters in the Rocky Horror Picture Show? No. There's the problem. <laughs> now we go back to Tim Curry's character. He's making a documentary. Yeah. Dr. Frank is aware there is an audience. In fact... He's making a documentary. Aside from the criminologist, Dr. Frank, is the only cast member who breaks the fourth wall. Except one instance by Dr. Scott. Mm -hmm. So, why did Frank break the fourth wall? There's a question. What was his experiment? Number two for a question. <laughs> and what of the floor show at the end of the film? Last question. Who was he performing this for? answer is that Frank's purpose was to film a documentary for the Transylvanians about Earthlings. Okay, when do we go to alien side? Figure Transylvanians if you think about it transvestites. Yeah. They're through the whole premise, you don't see it until the end. There are fucking aliens that, that looked human. Hmm. <laughs> so basically, they got the they got that last part uh, from Roddy Piper's movie, TV movie, where the aliens look like humans, but he had. You mean special... they live? Yeah. This came out. This came out way before they live. Way before. Yeah, but I'm trying to put it together here. They do Earthlings. What they're trying basically... Which 
is basically at the end of the movie, they're humans, but they're actually aliens. Yeah. And then almost basically basing it off for they they live with Roddy Piper with these special glasses where the aliens look human but with special glasses they're actually aliens. Well, no. The aliens human version for Rocky Horror Picture Show were supposed to be considered basically transvestites would be considered aliens because there's so many different versions of a transvestite. Mm. Tim Curry is supposed to be the ringleader until the very fucking ending. Right. Okay. So that's basically what they're saying. They're transvestites but they're not from Earth. They're aliens. Because the way they dress, how they talk. Yeah. And apparently where they have um where they have couples. <laughs> He's actually not so much breaking the fourth wall, but looking at the cameraman or hitting cameras kind of speaking to his future audience at Transylvania. Some nuggets of info and evidence. I feel like this is a crime scene now, or a crime <laughs> paranormal story. When Frank says, well, how nice, he looks directly at the audience slash cameraman. During Sweet Transvestite, he says, well, how about that? Directly to the audience slash cameraman. He also smirks at the camera and throws his cup of water at us, the audience. It is rumored Frank purposely laid a trap to catch some more earthlings via the fat tire. Mm-hmm. During the opening wedding scene, the actors, Tim Curry, Frank, Patricia Quinn, M-A-G-E-N-T-A, Little Nell, Columbia, and Richard O'Brien, Riff Raff, have cameos as church workers. Or are they? Some theorized those are the same characters in disguise looking for victims for their experiments. They were pleased to hear Brad and Janet two ripe young earthlings one of each gender were headed in the direction of the castle sounds like a good book for uh, Alan to write about this <laughs> but in, in, in his version if he believes in something like that yeah 
I believe Rocky Horror's Frankenstein's monster-type birth was the original experiment to show what simple beings, earthlings, are. But Frank's lust led him to start with the sexual experiments, which got out of hand, made the trip to Earth that uh, Earth last too long, and pissed off Riff Raff. This is like paranormal meets alien meets death for Earth. <laughs> A bunch of dumbasses. You can take the second echo off. Okay, hold on. There Thank you, go. you. Much better. Uh, the floor shows going along with my theory. The floor show is simply the grand finale for Frank's documentary. He wants to show how he was able to influence and take over the Earthlings' minds and souls, nearly turning them into six-crazed Transylvanians themselves. Just give him a bottle of Viagra and watch what happens. <laughs> they didn't have Viagra back then. Dr. Scott, he once looks at the camera during the dinner scene and says, I figured he, Eddie, was in with a bad crowd, but it was worse than I imagined. Aliens! I figured Dr. Scott, being Frank's rival, knew about the cameras and was Exerting com dominance, sorry, this D looked like a C to me for a second. Dominance by revealing he knows the Transylvanians are aliens. He works for the FBI, after all. <laughs> I don't think FBI were around back then. Sorry. That's what criminologists were. Bonus, the criminologist, he's the other major character who breaks the fourth wall and talks to the audience, but why? Is he simply the movie's narrator? No. He, was, he has documents on Brad and Janet. Dr. Scott and maps of their journey. After all, when the house takes off, it must have left behind the video footage. The house takes off. Yeah. What house took off in the damn movie? Because I don't remember it. Castle. The castle was actually a spaceship. Disguised as a castle. The criminologist found this. His role. He is simply fishing or finishing Frank's work in the final documentary. That's the Rocky Horror Picture Show itself 
as released as a movie to us Earthlings. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Number 15, Pitchfork. And they got Frankenfoot, uh, not Frankenfoot, Riff Raff looking like the damn statue now. Refresh Pitchfork from the beginning of the Rocky Horror Picture Show later becomes the antimatter gun used in the finale. American Gothic Foreshadowing In the Rocky Horror Picture Show, 1975, M-A-G-E-N-T-A and Riff Raff appear early on in the movie, posing as American Gothic later in the film, Riff Raff displaying the painting. No. (laughs) Not whatsoever. I disagree with that a thousand percent for that type of portrait. And saying that Riff Raff and this woman here looks like him. No. Uh Diner fucks pos. (laughs) And no, I didn't say fuck. It's actually F-A-U-X-P-A-S. Fox. In the scene, at the dinner table, you can notice Janet's look of pain as Brad accidentally slams down on her hand. 